why wouldn't you use something as powerful as AI to give you an edge? Why wouldn't you use that to your advantage? Because if you don't use it and your competitors are using it, they have an advantage over you. Welcome to the AI for Creative Entrepreneurs podcast. I'm Kira Hug, co-founder of the Copywriter Club. And on this show, my co-host, Rob Marsh, and I focus on helping you stay ahead of the curve. We'll show you how to use AI to maximize your creativity, simplify your work in life, and reinvent your creative career so AI works for you, not against you. Join us as we explore the intersection of AI, creativity, and career. If artificial intelligence is starting to feel overwhelming, that's understandable. It feels like it's everywhere. Keeping up with all the updates can feel time-consuming. It can even be a distraction from our actual work. But what if AI could actually free you up to be more creative and impactful? While copywriters and creatives utilize AI to produce more content, there are loads of different ways we can use it in our businesses. John Mulry, CEO and founder of E5 Agency, joins us today to discuss his AI journey and how he leverages AI to amplify his unique skills and copywriting framework. In this episode, John breaks down some of the advanced ways he automates and streamlines his business. We also dive into some of the scarier, more frightening ways AI can impact us right now. But before we jump into that interview, this podcast is sponsored by AI for Copywriters and Creatives. It's a course we developed to help more than 200 copywriters, content writers, and other creatives learn how to use AI as a creative partner in their businesses. Once you've been through it, you'll be able to confidently use AI tools in your writing, in your research, and your strategic thinking without losing your distinctive voice and style. This course includes an updated list of over 100 of the best writing tools, which continue to change, so we continue to keep it updated. It also includes five different modules that help you understand the basics of generative AI and ChatGPT, and dozens of over-the-shoulder demonstrations so you can see how to use tools in action. And at the end, you'll have an opportunity to be certified as a prompt engineer, which is just another easy way to demonstrate your new AI abilities when talking to clients. You can get started with this course by going to thecopywriterclub.com forward slash AI4C. Okay, let's jump into the interview with John. All right, so I'd like to start, John, with the moment. The moment for you where you're like, this AI thing is going to be bigger than I thought, and I need to change what I'm doing or do something differently. What was that moment for you? So initially when I went like, ChatGPT and all the stuff started coming out. My thoughts were like, eh, I don't think so. And I was like, no, I don't think it's going to, you know, a lot of people were playing around with it. A lot of people were were sharing some prompts and sharing some, some of the output from that. And I was like, mm, I don't know if we're there yet. And then I started to dig in a little bit more and I started to actually use it myself, which I think a lot of people haven't either talk about it or they haven't really got their hands dirty with it. And it's really when like my first level were playing with it, I, my initial preconceived ideas came true. It was like, oh, this isn't really that good. But then I started to like interact with it more and I started to, you know, feed it more information and feed it like the frameworks that we would use ourselves anyways, rather than just kind of type in something random. And that's when I started to go, wow, okay. And I remember I was I was driving down to 
my mom. So that's about a 90 minute drive. And I had just stopped digging into it just before I left. And my brain was buzzing all the way down that I had to pull in halfway down the motorway, take out my phone and to go go back into where I was because my brain was just like, this is crazy. This, this is way more powerful than I ever thought before. So like I was literally on the side of the motorway on ChatGPT on my phone, pretty much getting it to write like a full marketing thesis from start to finish based on like the frameworks that we would use, say, in E5. And I was just, my mind was completely blown away. It was still rough and ready and everything else, but it was just like, I was so giddy. And that's when I kind of knew, okay, for, 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 for this to get me to stop in the middle of the motorway, to pull over, stop driving, um, this there must be something going on here. So then after that, I just started digging in more and more and more. And that was obviously just from the ChatGPT side. Then I started finding all the other areas of where we can bring in multiple multiple areas. And then I went to that event, the, the original AI summit event in Las Vegas in the end of March, start of April. And like that, that kind of tied in a lot of the extra tools that are available to me. And that then I started to see the bigger picture of what we could actually do. That's not just about, you know, getting it to the right messaging and everything else. There's actually more going on here. And that kind of opened up the, the floodgates even more. So let's, I mean, there's a ton of stuff we can cover in how you're using AI today, but I want to go back to that for those first prompts that you were writing or that first back and forth uh, in order to get the marketing argument. Obviously, you're doing more than just the, you know, well, uh, I need an email that says this, or I need a marketing uh, argument for this kind of product. Like what kinds of data inputs, information were you putting into the prompts so that what you were getting back was making you go, wow, I, you know, because I think we all had that moment where we're like, okay, it's writing an email and it's 80% there and I can, you know, I can rewrite it, uh, you know, and make it better or, okay, I get, you know, it's kind of a fun thing to play with, but to get a wow response, like, okay, this, this actually changes my job is a, is a very different application from what most people are still using tools like Claude, ChatGPT, whatever are getting. Yeah, I mean, the, for me, it was it goes back to what, what I would normally do is if I was putting a campaign together myself or if I was putting together an ad campaign for a client, it always starts with the with the audience and what they want, what their desires want, what they what it is that they're trying to achieve, what the things that they've tried, the things that they've failed at. So I started with like, doing that. So I started with feeding so much information about audience and playing around with different things of how I could feed it. If I fed it this little bit of information on, on the avatar, if I started to expand it out and start to create multiple avatars, and like I always start with a, I was starting with a, like a, a kind of a bank of knowledge to, to then begin to build prompts from there. So it all started with information on the, the actual avatar and the audience. And then what I started to do is I started to see if, well, what if I could, even fast track that information on the audience by getting ChatGPT to actually do the research and actually pull the research and actually put together the avatars because it's one of the most important things that we do. But so many marketers, so many business owners, when you say market research and do avatar research, they're just like, oh my God, I'm not doing it because they, they gloss over. So I developed that really in-depth prompt, which is the my kind of starting point for everything, which it's it creates avatars based on the five levels of awareness and the like the five primary desires and the five primary pain points is kind of a really kind of condensed way of talking about it. So then from there, we get so much information back. And yeah, surely we, we don't know how accurate the information is, but it's a starting point that we can use. And it's about as accurate as what we would 
come up with ourselves. Because anytime you do market research yourself, it's never an exact science. And we are, you know, guesstimating to the best degree possible, unless we're speaking to like thousands of customers, and we can congregate or consolidate all of that data. Um, but when we're doing research on something in market that maybe we're not so familiar with or a market where we we have a little bit of information, it's it's never going to be an exact science. So I started to compile that data. And, and then the output that the, say, ChatGPT, which is what I was using, was producing and ChatGPT4, the output that I was that that was producing was just it was just the way I seen it was like it was just giving me the implementation and speed of implementation more so than anything else that was just fast tracking everything else because then every other prompt after that uses the previous prompts and the the like uses the avatar as its base because like you guys know as fantastic copywriters as yeah I mean everything stems from the audience and if we start if you go into say chat gpt or claude now and you say like like you said rob write me an email or come up with an ad headline or um i need titles for a youtube channel or i need content ideas for this it will give you endless amount of content ideas but it's not starting from your audience's desires and their pain points and their and what they're what's really keeping them up at night and everything else so that's what's the most important because you can put out as much content as you want, but unless it's actually going to resonate with your target audience, it's not going to make a difference. Could you just talk through that specifically, like that process you just talked us through? I mean, it doesn't have to be every prompt, but what you put in to ChatGPT to get out the desires and um, build that avatar, like with something that you actually worked on. I would like, I can read out part of the prompt if you want. I can just pull it up quickly here if you want so you can get an idea. And then for your people listening, I mean, if they want access to that that initial prompt, I'd be happy to share. That's it. amazing. Yeah, that'd be really cool. So it's give me five customer avatars for the offer and the offer, the name of your offer, whether it's a paid offer, whether it's say the, the name of your webinar, if you're doing say a lead gen, the name of your lead magnet, if you're doing kind of lead gen to a lead magnet or whatever the case may be. Then create one avatar for each stage of awareness as described in Breakthrough Advertising. These are unaware, problem aware, solution aware, product aware, most aware. Then I give a quick explanation on what the, on who the target market is. The target market is blank. So whatever the target market is, you know, mums age 55 and over and their kids have left school for, for argument's sake. The offer's website is, and I put in the website, it's a $37 offer in the um, the mummy niche that helps mums get fit over 50 or whatever the case may be. That's just an example now. Put the avatar in the following format. Stage of awareness, name, gender, job, annual salary. And then we go into a personal profile, a psychographic profile, a pain profile, a desire profile, their shopping behavior, their wants, and a three-dimensional profile. Now, within all of those different profiles, there's, there's subheads. And then um, I just give it a little bit of a kind of a, a, a word block at the end to say, make sure each avatar is at least 500 words. If you need more space, just, you know, this was back before you could hit that continue generating button inside of ChatGPT. So it's like, if you need more space, just continue on with the next prompt. So then from there, over the space of roughly between three to five prompts or three to five outputs, you would get all five avatars. And then I would organize all that information into a table because obviously, well, maybe not obviously, a lot of people don't know that ChatGPT can organize information in tables. So then I would organize it into a table. And like that alone gives you so much um, information that you can work with in terms of potential ad ideas, potential content ideas, potential um, you know headlines and bullets based on their desires, their profiles and everything else. 
And actually, when we launched our internal AI offer, basically the, the sales page for that offer was essentially that avatar information just put on a sales page in a slightly different way. Very little else was changed. And that, that offer was like one of the highest converting offers that we've ever promoted, which is, you know, crazy when you think about it. Um, but it's like it's it just shows you that the power of when you when you dial in and dial in messaging to to what your market actually wants and what their desires are. But I'll share the exact prompt if, yeah, if people that, want that's, to. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, how much back and forth do you then have? Uh, because obviously, you know, when we, we use it, you don't just want to uh, take what, what it gives you first. Like how often time, how often do you push back and say, uh, okay, that was pretty good, but could we dig in a little bit deeper on this particular point? Or is that good enough where you're ready to say, okay, now let's talk about leads and headline ideas? So you wouldn't necessarily jump from directly from the information it produces to okay, now, now let's give me headline ideas and stuff like that. I mean, you could, but there, usually I'd use a couple of extra steps. And, and sometimes I'm happy with the output. Sometimes, like, if I don't know the market as intimately as, say, a market I would know, I'd like to go and verify some elements. I'm not going to verify everything, but I'm going to verify some elements by going, so, like, this is a, a quick hack that, that, that I've only started re- recently using in the last few weeks but it's like it's been really really powerful is what i would do to verify the information in the past is i would try and verify it manually so i would take a look at some of the let's say the the top five books i would look at the reviews on amazon of those books and i would see if there's any language being used in the reviews that is similar to the language that's used in the the avatar profile now what i can do is um i would like copy and paste all of the reviews as much as i could copy and paste and I'd post it into chat and I'd say, summarize these reviews based on uh, anything got to do with um, beliefs, anything got to do with desires, anything got to do with pain points. And would I create a table from all those reviews where normally you might have to sift through 200, 300 reviews and do that manually. It can be done in like in a couple of minutes with a few prompts using the same prompt over and over again. You might be able to do, depending on the length of review, you might be able to do 25 to 50 reviews at a time. And like that, that information that gets pulled out, you just kind of, cross correlate between what your avatar profile is saying and if it's if it's like if there's similar things in there you know that you're you're pretty close if there's not if it's way off maybe you need to go back and and do that step one again and just to clarify you're talking about choosing looking up the book reviews for the top books that your avatar would read and pulling the voice of customer from those reviews right yeah so say for example in the personal profile the, the list of things I'm looking for is top five favorite movies, top five favorite books, top five visited websites, top five social media influencers, top five Google searches, top five visited YouTube channels, and top five downloaded mobile apps. And the reason why I'm doing them is because they're all potential audiences that we can target in, say, Google and YouTube. Possibly some of the influencers will be able to target on Facebook, but this is, um, you know, all those top five things essentially gives us around 35 to 40 potential audiences we can target in Google and YouTube in terms of the campaigns that we're running. So say, for example, the the top five visited websites, we can create URL affinity campaigns where let's say the top one of the websites was, let's say the copywriterclub.com. So we, you know, we'd be able to URL affinity audience for that and see if, see if that audience resonates with the message. And it just gives us a lot of arsenal and it just eliminates a lot of guesswork and it just um, get it just helps you get these Get, gets this information quicker. So then let's say for the books, what we could do is the top five favorite books, whatever books are listed to verify how accurate the avatar is, I just 
check maybe the top two or three, go over to Amazon, check the reviews. What I was doing, like I said, was was checking this manually to see is the infra, is there anything that the reviews are saying that kind of relates to you know the the avatar, so the, the desire. So maybe it was a book on weight loss that the reviews might say, "Oh, this book was super easy to read, and I've been struggling to lose weight for years." And if the avatar said something like, you know, struggles to lose weight, blah, 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 blah. I know I'm kind of on the same and I know we're, I'm pretty close with the messaging. So I can be comfortable in that the information is accurate yeah. enough. Are there other checkpoints, uh, verifications that you use? I think that's a really good one. But any other examples? Not really. I mean, like a lot of it is I try to be like, like in as intuitive as, as possible some of the sometimes you do get output that's kind of similar across different things and you don't know whether that's how accurate it is and again it is it's not an exact science so like what i'm looking for is is something close to the mark that i can work off as the next step because the avatar is only that initial step but if you can be comfortable that the pain points or the desires they're usually bang on um they may need a little bit of massaging you might need to go you know if they have the primary desires, if they're if they're too kind of like general, I might ask them to dig a little bit deeper and go on from there. But that's that's generally it. Generally, what I found is that it's the output has been when once you feed it enough information about your the target market, the offer, and everything else, what it, what it produces back is is a lot better. So before we move on to some of the other ways that you're using AI, you know, processes and all of that, is are there other things that you're doing as far as writing? content or creating strategy that you're using AI for outside of what you just walked us through? Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, is there any particular area that you'd like to, uh, to I, I'm, Personally, I'm always interested in in strategy uh, and just like thinking about my business and, you know, what kinds of products I can create or even book writing, that kind of stuff. But I mean, I, I imagine that our listeners probably go from, you know, total beginners using this stuff to people who are are looking, you know, again, at ways that they can create AI tools and use them in their business. So I think it's a, a really broad range. Yeah. So I think one area that I don't really see a lot on, there's, like, there's, there's a ton of information out there in terms of getting AI to produce content. Um, where I don't see a lot of information where it's really, really powerful is getting AI to edit your content or to you know, examine your content, critique your content and improve your content. Like there's a lot of ways that we can do that. And just like, say, for example, a really superficial example is right now, like in terms of what we're doing from a Facebook ad point of view for our clients, a big part of what's really working from a copy point of view in Facebook ads right now. And it's it's not the only reason that things are working, but it's certainly elevating the copy to get to, to get that attention a little bit more is the use of emojis. And trying to insert emojis into copy can be really annoying because you have to, you know, find the emoji you want, copy it, go in and paste it, and blah 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 blah. Versus, you can just copy your 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 small piece of copy, put it into chat, and say, "Insert emojis here where appropriate." And like two seconds later, the exact copy is produced, and you have a, a nice selection of emojis in there that's going to be attention grabbing and just going to elevate your copy a little bit more. So things like that. Um, other areas where you might say take a piece of copy and um, paste it into chat and then like put across what you were trying to achieve with that piece of copy and ask for feedback. And, or you could ask it to, you know, critique the copy for verb use and for persuasiveness and, and, you know, and let them know what the, the goal of this copy is to X, Y, and Z. Please critique this copy uh, and highlight the, 
how well we're, it how well it demonstrates the use of verbs, how persuasive it is, and any potential improvements you could make. You could also run some SWOT analysis on the copy. You could also, you know, there's so many different things, and I have a, like a bank of different things that I would go through that like you can feed your feed your copy into it, and it will critique it. And every single time, it's just going to make that copy a little bit better. One thing you'd have to be careful of is that you don't say take your initial piece of copy and then pass it through. 20 different critiques and what what you might end up at the at the end is like this Frankenstein version of your original copy and you don't really want that. So typically what I do is I take maybe two or three critique elements, like say something like the the verb use, like the something like um like a SWOT analysis type thing or something like that, and and just let the output and see does it elevate the copy or not. And then something else that you could do to really speed up your process with your with your copy is actually formatting the text. So you can just take, like a lot of people, a lot of copywriters might just write their copy in a Google Doc and they they may format it as they're going or they may not. They Like generally, me personally, I wouldn't I'd do the, all that formatting afterwards, potentially even do the formatting inside of the, the funnel builder, like ClickFunnels or, or Kartra or whatever the case may be. But what you can do is you can actually get the ChatGPT or, or Claude, I think, could do it as well, is where you format the copy with, with like proper headlines, subheads, bullets, and everything else. That stuff is a time saver, and it still allows you as a copywriter to have your essence and have, you're not using ChatGPT to, to like completely change it, the voice of your copy, but you're using it to fast track the things that you're probably going to be doing anyway, like the formatting, like editing, like, you know, um, increasing the, the persuasiveness by, by the use of verbs and everything else. That's something that, that can be done super, super quickly and can elevate the results of the copy without you having to do it. Do you worry at all about sensitive information when you're using ChatGPT or any of the AI platforms, especially when you're working on research or working with clients' information? Like That's something that makes me really, really nervous at this point and it has held me back from using some of the tools with my research methods. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I do in terms of, obviously, we don't know where this is all going in the future. Um, at least in the short term, um, the the tools I've been using are pretty clear on the information put in, like not to put in any pertinent information. Don't share any information that you don't that you wouldn't otherwise um, want public. Now, what that exactly means, I don't really know because they don't actually tell you what that means. And maybe they do in their privacy policies and their terms of service and everything else. But I mean, I haven't got into the, the weeds of actually checking that lot out. What I do make sure is I don't put in anything like really private or anything that I definitely don't want shared or don't definitely don't want in the, the public domain. But other than that, I mean, I think um, I we don't know where it's going to go in the future, obviously. But I think for at least for now, I think we, we're, we're safe enough that as long as we don't sh- put anything in there that we don't want shared. So so we can't find your credit card numbers, John, if we go searching. Well, if you, if you want my credit card, you can just ask me, Rob. That, that's fine. So let's talk also how you're using uh, different AI tools to do other things in the business. So not creating content, not creating copy, or even necessarily the strategy, but how are you using it to speed up processes, make yourself more efficient, just accomplish things that weren't getting done before? Yeah, so I've been using AI in conjunction what's with what's called RPA, which is robotic process automation. And essentially what robotic process automation is, is essentially using stuff that you would do over and over again. It's just getting bots to automate that. So there's a number of different ways that you can do that. There's some, like, the, for example, there's 
it's if you take like an everyday task. So let's say an example I gave in a presentation that I gave at, at Top One recently when you were there, guys, is the the idea of um, creating headline test ads. So one of the things that we do for clients is when we're running creative system is we want to test which headlines are going to perform better. And that can be a very time-consuming process. So what we can do by using RPA is speed up that process by potentially either writing the headlines ourselves or potentially leveraging something like AI to, to, to write the headlines. And I can, I can share a prompt in a second to do that. And then using the, using the output, we can use something like Canva, which has an AI component and has a bulk create component where it will, re, it will create multiple ad images based on the initial output that we feed it. So rather than us have to, so let's say we were doing a 21 headline test, instead of having to manually create 21 different headline images inside a Canva, which you know can be time consuming, not super time consuming as if you were to do it in something like Photoshop, it's definitely a lot faster, but we can t- make it even faster again by using RPA, by, but they have a simple feature inside there, which is like a bulk create, and it will just produce um, or 21 headlines in seconds instead of what might take us, you know, an hour or a couple of hours or whatever the case is. So that's just, that's one element. Then we're using RPA then in terms of like alongside AI. So we, we're using it in some advanced ways as well. So like the, the way I look at it is we have, there's a couple of different levels. So that level, level one would be using it for a simple task like that, where we're using it just to kind of speed up some simple processes that we're doing. Other areas of where we use RPA is where we might combine, say, something like ChatGPT or something like Cloud with something like uh, Google Sheets by using either, I think now you can do it in Zapier, but I've been using Make to use. So like Make is a is a tool similar to Zapier. I think it's it has a lot more functionality. I think it's a lot, visually, it's a lot easier to, to use as well. And using something like, say, ChatGPT and Google Sheets, you can come up with um, let's say you were to populate something into a Google Sheet. You had two tabs in a Google Sheet or two columns. And in column one, you had um, ad ideas. And in column two, you had you know potential headlines. So what you could do is instead of using, you might, if you're anything like me, I would write a, a ton of ad ideas into my notes app on my iPhone. If I come up with an ad idea, I would go in and write it down. So rather than just leave that there, maybe it'll get lost in, in the ether of our phone app or whatever the case is, we could go into our Google Sheet write down the ad idea, and then the minute I input it into the Google Sheet, it'll link up with ChatGPT with a prompt, a a preset prompt to automatically start creating headline ideas for that ad idea. So every time you update the sheet, it will tell ChatGPT to, okay, based on this input, give me an output. So we have to tell what, we have to state what the output is already, or state what the output is at the beginning when we set this up through make, and then every single time there's a new record in that sheet, it will produce whatever the output we want. So then you can use that for ad ideas, content ideas, to write a lead for a a, um, a sales letter. You could use it to do SWOT analysis on a, a business idea or an offer idea that you have to what you want to come up with. Let's say, oh, I'd love to start a new podcast on on AI. So then like it would automatically go and run SWOT analysis on your idea. I'd love to, you know, we'd love to launch a new product on related to copy. And then it would do SWOT analysis on the, the product for copy. And it's just stuff that you might manually do as part of your offer creation process or product creation process. You can use things like RPA just to speed that up. Um, then you can get super advanced. So like we've been using RPA to actually 
create full campaigns or full ad creatives and then to, to get to feed it into the campaigns. That's super long-winded. And that's, but like essentially with the likes of Zapier and the likes of Make, being able to connect with OpenAI, which is the API side of ChatGPT, um, it, it opens up so many more possibilities in terms of what you can do from an automation point of view. I know some people are actually creating full-blown websites with that are fully, not just skeleton websites, but fully populated with content and continue to be populated with content um, using the likes of, you know, something like Webflow to, to host the website and to host the pages and then something like OpenAI to actually produce the content and then something like MidJourney to, to produce images. So, and you can you can kind of stitch all these together with an RPA tool like Make or Zapier or there's a couple of others and then it'll just produce the content automatically without you having to actually go in there and manually do it. So it's like we're using it a lot to to minimize those steps and minimize stuff that we're probably automatically doing anyways. And then we can just use RPA to speed that up. So I need to have Make, Zapier, and OpenAI to do what you were talking about. No, you can have Make oh, or Zapier, okay. so one or the other. Um, and then the you'll need your OpenAI yep. API key. So you'll get that by inside of the OpenAI dashboard. You can request your API key. And depending on the... When I requested mine, it took oh. like four weeks to get it. I think it might be quicker. I think it might be. I think it might be quicker now. That was back when you know ChatGPT was like they had a surge of new users and everything else. I've read somewhere that the the actual usage of ChatGPT has gone down dramatically in the last few months. I think um, I don't know what it's gone down exactly, but I've I've read that it has gone down dramatically. So maybe it'll be quicker to get the API key now if if someone hasn't already got it, and then you just link up your API key with Zapier or with Make, and then in, the reason why I like Make is it's very visual. So it's like it's kind of like a drag and drop of what you want it to do versus Zapier. Um, well, Zapier is amazing. Zapier is probably a lot more popular than Make and, to, and it has a lot more users than Make. Um, I find it a little bit clunky when you're creating your quote unquote Zaps. Yeah. And can you break it down and make it even more simple? Because I feel like your level one is still like level five for me. So is there a level zero where for someone who's has not ever use RPA, but they're interested and they want to just test it with something really basic. Is that is that the most basic example that you shared with us or is there something, another starter we could do? I could, I could, I could probably have um, explained it a little bit better. Um, so basically, like, essentially, RPA is, is automating something that you would do a lot. So if there's something that you do, some repetitive tasks that you do. Um, let's say a repetitive task is Let's say onboarding a new client. So you'd onboard a new client. You might have them fill out a um, a questionnaire, or whatever the case is. And in that questionnaire, they might have input fields where it's like, tell me about your business. Tell me about your offer. Tell me about your audience and, and et cetera, et cetera. So then what you might normally do then is you would take that information and you would put it into a Google Sheet just so you have a record of it. So then... We could automate that. So, so using Zapier or Make. So that's just a simple example. And there's no AI involved there yet. We can attach AI in a second. But let's say, for example, that when someone fills out a form, that form, the, 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 their answers automatically creates a new Google Sheet, gets saved to your drive, gets labeled as their client name. And in the sheet, their information is listed beside the field. So 
on we might have a sheet that says business name, um, offer name, price point, target audience, their pain points, or whatever the case is. So then whatever answers are in your questionnaire just gets populated in the Google Sheet. So then if we wanted to attach AI onto that, like that's a simple RPA there. Like that's it's a very simple robotic process automation. Something that you might do is, you know, like I said, when someone fills out the questionnaire, you might manually be doing this right now. So you can just eliminate that manual work. So it might save you half an hour, it might save you 20 minutes, but it's still, it frees up a little bit of your time. So then we can attach AI to that by adding an extra step. So that when that Google Sheet is created and when those fields are populated, we can have a prompt in say ChatGPT if we wanted to. I mean, not saying do it just because you can, but if, if it makes sense to have a prompt in there that might say, okay, do research on these five these five pain points. So what else is someone suffering from when they're suffering from these five pain points? So if one of the, the questions you asked was X, Y, and Z, or you could have it take my prompt and just insert your variables into the actual prompt. So remember where I said that the target market is X, who and the price point is Y. So you could just insert your variables into my prompt and have my avatar prompt run automatically when someone fills in the questionnaire. So the process now becomes, instead of you, the old way of doing it will be they fill in the questionnaire. You go through the questionnaire manually and you input it into a Google, you create a new Google sheet in inside of your Google Drive and then you copy and paste the stuff over, which is all manual. And then you would have to go away and start doing your research, which may take you a couple of hours, a couple of days, a couple of weeks, depending on how rigorous you are with your research. Now that process can be done the instant they complete the form with RPA. Does that make sense? Yeah, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. It's amazing. As I think about it, John, I'm kind of combining what we were talking about earlier with, with this process. But the thing that I dislike most about customer avatars is uh, because of the way that people do them, they're usually demographic information instead of psychographic information, the triggers that people respond to, the emotional words, whatever. And it feels like you could put in demographic information into a Google Sheet tie it to the back end of, of ChatGPT or you know, whatever AI engine you want to, to connect to and have it send you back the typical psychographic information for a particular product or use case or, or whatever. So even if you're not able to get the research that you want to right up front, now you can lean on a, a large language model to start creating some of that. Like you said earlier, it may not be 100% accurate, but it's going to be, you know, 80, 90% of the way there, which is probably as accurate as you're going to get from mining, you know, Amazon reviews or, or Facebook groups. or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, th I think that the bigger thing that I'd love for people to understand is like the goal for me with using AI and using RPA and all these things isn't for AI to completely do my job. It's for AI to speed up my ability to do my job, because as we know, as direct response marketers and copywriters and everything else is that money loves speed. And the faster we can get stuff, good stuff, I'm not saying the faster we can get crap stuff out, the faster we can get good stuff out and good stuff live, campaigns live, offers live, and messages out there to the marketplace, the faster we're going to get results. Whether those results are the results we want or not, that's a whole other story. But like the faster we can implement the faster we can get results. And I think a lot of times people are sitting on their ideas, they're sitting on their information and they're potentially sitting on a gold mine, but for whatever reason, they, they're stuck and they can't implement, they, they can't get going. And I think using AI, not to replace them, but to actually speed up their ability to get the results that they're hoping for 
is is a massive win for me. I don't think we're at the stage where AI is going to completely overtake things where it's like there's no human interaction. We may reach that in the future, but we're, we're certainly not there right now. But what it does do is it enables people to get things done a lot quicker than if they were doing them on their own. Yeah, and can you dig even deeper into that and your viewpoint, John, about why that's important? Like beyond making more money and saving time, why is it important? I imagine it is because if your competition is now moving faster, then clients expect a faster pace and it just shifts the whole market and how we do our service, we perform our services. So I guess how, why is this important to keep up with it and not just say, I'm not going to play this game? I think it's because like, well, because of exactly what you said, I mean, because like there's a really strong chance that someone's competitors are going to be using it. And it was in, it was in actually, it was a question that was raised in a podcast interview that I actually recommended when I was presenting at top one which is the, the Mo Gado podcast interview on the diary of a CEO. And he, I can't remember exactly in the podcast, but I think it was maybe three quarters of the way through. The guy, the, the diary of a CEO host asked him, should I be using it? Should I be using AI in my business, in my everyday life and everything else? And Mo Gadot, who's an ex-Google X um, executive, who was one of the, the Google pioneers in the AI, and but then quit when he found out what, AI was actually becoming and everything else, which is a whole other story. I highly recommend people check out the the episode. I think it's called the Emergency Episode, Diary of a CEO. Highly recommend you check it out. It's like it's a fascinating um, episode on AI. Will really help you think better. But when he asked him the question, "Should I be using AI?" Um, the the Mo's answer I, th- I thought was fascinating. He was like, "He's like, you're a super smart guy. You you've you're really successful in business. You're really intelligent." You're really well spoken, and etc. 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 Why wouldn't you use something as powerful as AI to give you an edge? Why wouldn't you use that to your advantage? Because if you don't use it and your competitors are using it, they have an advantage over you. That doesn't mean that if everybody's using it, there's no longer a competitive advantage because everybody's going to use it in a slightly different way. If everybody just uses it to produce content and like Fair enough, there's no more competitive advantage. But when you use it to speed up your unique skills, because as a copywriter, you're going to have a unique skill, you're going to have a unique ability. You may be a an email copywriter, or you may be a um, a long-form sales page copywriter, or you may be an ad copywriter, whatever the case may be. You've built up a certain level of skills, a certain level of unique skills, and you have a unique way of doing things. And AI has now has given you the ability to fast-track your ability to get more output and to produce more. So then you can potentially take on more clients. So you can make more money. It's not just about making more money, but if you're a one-man band or if you're a one-man copywriter and, and you're you're doing copy consulting or if you're doing you're doing um, copywriting as a as a service as an agency or a copywriting agency, whether you're a one-man band or whatever the case is, there's a lev- there's like there's a cap on how many clients you can take on, and there's a cap on how much work you can produce. Now. By using your unique skills and your unique framework for using copy, if you have one, you can leverage AI so you can maybe take on three or four more clients. You can maybe, instead of writing a sales letter that might take you four weeks to, to write a sales letter, you might be able to get it done in a week. So now you can write four, you can produce four times the content and actually generate four times the revenue for your business, which is not going to, in my mind, is only a good thing. It's not going to damage your business because as long as you're still using AI and you're you're not 
having her produce less work than what you would normally do. You're just having it speed up the process that you produce your work. Well, then it's and I imagine for some people, it's not about doing four more or three more. Uh, it's about doing one in one week and being able to take three weeks off or, you know, however you want to do that time, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Potentially. I mean, like some people, I mean, we all know like that writing copy can be absolutely grueling and can be time consuming and can be a fruitless effort until you have it finally yeah. done. Whereas now you can have it done quicker. So, yeah, you have the option. You can either take on more if you want to. You may be in a growth phase in your business where you want to, you know, just do as much as you can. Or you may be not in a growth phase where you appreciate the time the time back in your life so you can spend it with your kids or you can go on vacation or whatever you want to do. Yeah, and I think that that's where, that's where I really see the power in AI right now is not to, like... We, we know the example I shared where I created a fictitious crypto company. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But like that's um, that was a just I wanted to see what could be done. But my goal with using AI is not to have everything 100% AI created. My goal is to, is to free up my time so I do have the options to either work less or I do have the options to take on more clients. So, John, as you look at the landscape of AI and you're seeing, okay, I, I see some of these things that are happening over here or whatever, what is something that you haven't done yet, but that you're looking out there thinking, oh, that's the that's the next thing that I want to try or that, that in a month, I think it's going to be ready to do this thing in my business. What are you excited about? So what I'm excited about is combining AI with audio, with video, because audio, we're pretty much, we're probably about 90% there with like, say, 11 labs and, and other companies like that. So 11 labs, if people don't know, they, they you can like upload, say, five, 10 minutes of your voice, and it'll use AI to, to produce like multiple hours of your voice if you wanted to. So you could potentially, for, for any of your authors out there who wrote books on copywriting that haven't got an audio book, you could maybe upload the first chapter into 11 labs, record it, and then upload the rest of your book in text form. And it will just produce the rest of your book in audio format, which is something you couldn't have done before. That's something that I, I, I want to do myself. I haven't gotten around to doing it yet. But then when you, that's obviously going to be a, a massive time saver. It's not going to be 100% or you might have to play around a little bit, but it's it's certainly going to be good enough for the likes of if you want people wanted to put their book on Audible or if people wanted to add the audio book version to their book funnel or whatever the case is. That's one area that I haven't delved into yet that I want to. But the second one then is, which I think could be potentially uh, bigger, but we're not quite there yet from a commercial point of view, is the AI video. So producing more video content. I think it's very, um, it's at the minute, it's quite crap, to be honest. Like, just to be frank, I mean, there's a lot of AI tools out there that tell you they'll, that they will create video and they will create video. But the majority of it is is crap. It's clunky. It, it doesn't look good unless you're using like an animated version of yourself. So like there's six, one of our examples, um, there we're running an AI offer for them right now on ads, and a sales page video is a an animated version of the guy who's running the offer. And it's like because it's an animated version, you're nearly forgive it that it's not as powerful as a good. But he, he actually plays it down in the video as well. So he he draws he draws attention to the fact that it's him and it's an AI version of him as well. So, but I think in maybe in the next 18 months to two years, we might be in a position where you could legitimately have a video and you wouldn't know if it was AI or not. And like, that's both scary and um, pro provides a big opportunity, but definitely the audio side of things and video side of things in the near future, I think is a, 
is is something to to get excited about if if people use it for good enough Eight, for evil. 18 months from now the three of us won't even have to be here we can just uh upload our scripts and uh, the podcast will be done no rob was asking me to record a bunch of videos uh, earlier and i was like can't you just get my ai avatar to do it why do we have to but i guess we can soon soon funny enough i was actually um i was at in in london two two weekends ago and i went to the abba voyage concert which is all ai and hologram right? Get tickets to it. What if I don't like ABBA? Yeah. You will. You, you'll oh, like yeah. ABBA after this. I'll go. No, we'll no. Go together. I'm telling you, it's. But then also from it, from the, like it's, it's holograms done with with artificial intelligence and and lighting and everything else, and it's it's like you're at an ABBA concert. The only thing that lets it down a little is it's still that like it's when someone is singing a song, they have so much emotion in their face, they're wrinkling up here. They're sweating and everything else. It doesn't have any wrinkles or sweat. But apart from that, it's like being at a live oh. avocado. Rob, we got to do that. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I want to ask about, maybe this is the same question we're asking you, but I feel like it's slightly different. I wonder how you've shifted the way you think about your future career, what you offer, how you'll navigate your career in the future since, you know, the moment you had and, and yeah, how you just think about your future. Initially, I've, I've kind of gone through a little bit of a, not a roller coaster with this question because it's a question that I've asked myself a lot. Um, and initially it was like, everyone's going to lose a job. <laughs> and then after it was like, as I thought a little bit more deeply about it and as I've seen it is, I think it's not necessarily, there will be a lot of jobs lost. Um, a lot of, unfortunately, low skill jobs will be lost and will be replaced by things like RPA and AI in the future. I, I don't know the exact statistic, but Walmart have come out and said that there'll be a certain number of their stores 100% AI based, which is really scary. I mean, Walmart have how many hundreds of thousands of employees or whatever the case is. So that's super scary. So there will be a lot of jobs lost. In terms of highly skilled jobs, like copywriters, a highly skilled job, um, media media buyers, highly skilled jobs. In terms of those, I don't see it. Um, well, initially I was kind of, where's this going to go? Is, is Are we all going to become obsolete? And now the way I look at it is that, no, we won't become obsolete. The people that don't use this will become obsolete. My inkling and my understanding of where things are going and what I believe is going to happen is that it's going to be the people that use this to amplify their skills are the people that are going to um, strive and thrive in the future. The people that try just rely on their skills and bury their head in the sand when it comes to AI they're going to fall behind. Will they become completely obsolete? Probably won't. I mean, they'll probably always, you know, get by and everything else. But I think if, unless you're willing to amplify your message with things like AI and RPA, I think you'll get a lot further ahead if you do that versus if you just kind of say, no, I'm not using it. I'm a Luddite. Um, I, I'm as good as I am. I don't need to use it. And, you know, I think that that's where, it's, where things are going. I think it's those that use it will get ahead. Those that don't will fall behind. They mightn't fall completely behind. I don't think they'll become obsolete, but they'll certainly fall behind to the degree that their ability to maintain and grow their business maybe may dwindle. Yeah, it feels to me like there's an opportunity here that AI is actually creating at a higher level of thinking. I, I, somebody at our at our retreat that you've mentioned, the top one, uh, joked that you know it takes a 500 word prompt to write a 300 word uh, piece of content, right? Like there's this. 
it feels like there's this emerging class of jobs or soon to emerge class of jobs where somebody has to say, yeah, this is good. Um, or, you know, let's, let's adjust the input or the prompt or the whatever in order to make it right. And then, you know, like you're talking about, you know, connecting up the different pieces together so that it will actually produce this, like, this is a skill that two years ago didn't exist. And, you know, even prompt engineers that are, you know, Netflix had a, a ridiculously high paid prompt engineer job, like $700,000 and Alphonic, you know, was advertising for a prompt engineer at over $900,000 a year. Like clearly there's a demand for people who understand this and, and can help move it to wherever it is going. And I think that might be a place where yeah. a lot of copywriters can add uh, a lot of strategic and, and just practical value. Absolutely. And just quickly go back to because what you said about it takes a 500 word prompt to produce a 300 word piece of content. And that's true. The only thing that that joke fails to realize is that that 300 word piece of content can be produced as many times as you want once the 500 yeah. word prompt is done. Once that's done, that's 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 the kind of work I like doing. Do it once and use it over and over again versus like like a typical example is people would run an ad campaign once and never run it again versus running an evergreen ad campaign that you can run day in, day out, and it'll produce leads and sales. Do the work once, get paid over and over again. And that's the beauty of leveraging AI and your unique abilities, your unique skill set is that it allows you to take those skills, take those abilities, and put them in a framework where you can use them again and again and again without the actual workload of having to be doing it yourself. So that's where I think the... The opportunity is it's not that ai is going to be doing everything maybe who knows maybe we don't let's things are changing so fast maybe maybe five years down the line we will all be obsolete and we will be either sitting on a beach drinking pina coladas or we'll be like we'll be on the university basic in, income that's potentially coming in i like option one better yeah yeah me, me too but i think it's the going back to leveraging it to amplify you your message and reach your audience in a better, faster way, I think that's where the opportunity is. Before we, well, Rob, I'm surprised you haven't asked about what keeps John up at night. Uh, you haven't asked your question, so I, I feel like I need to ask. Give me, give me time, but go ahead. Yeah, John, we like to ask just about the the scary part of all of this, which we've hinted at. But what does keep you up at night? What parts of it still make you uncomfortable? Um, yeah, what scares you related to all of this? I'll give you an example because it was something, it was a video that I seen and some idiot took a video from Joe Rogan. I think it was a YouTube short, took his voice and obviously created an AI version of his voice and then created a video where they had the, the subtitles of the video just close enough to his mouth so that you couldn't read his lips. And they, they started creating videos where they were having him say stuff that he clearly didn't say. And like, that's the dangerous side of AI that really scares me because people could legitimately end up in jail for that stuff, for doing, for, for wrongly. I mean, I know there's fake videos of Trump out there. There's fake videos of Biden out there. There's like, the, people can potentially use that to create content that can get people into a lot of trouble, that can get people um, falsely accused of doing things that they didn't do. And obviously got nothing got to do with business, but from a scam point of view, and from a potential to um, hurt a lot of people financially, emotionally, and physically, you because of that stuff, people can get in trouble. I've, I've like, let's say for example, there was a video of you, Rob, saying very nasty things 
about a competitor, that competitor could lose their rag, drive in their car, drive to your house and take out a baseball bat and go to town on you when the reality is you've never said that. So that's you getting physically hurt over something else. And like that's that's a physical wild example. But to bring it back closer to home, people are already getting scammed every single day by idiots out there with spam and and all of these crazy things. And I think with AI, there's going to be a lot more of that stuff. And it, it it makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, that that I think is the the biggest worry for me too. The you know grandkid voice that's been that's been you know copied, and now you call grandma and ask for money. You know, it's just the opportunity for scams is just so massive that uh, I mean, I know there are the bigger world issues that you know we've commented on. You know, a general AI that doesn't seem to value what humans value; those kinds of things. Um, but in the short term, I think. Having images stolen, voice stolen, put together. Uh, I mean, it's it's one thing to copy, you know, Joe Biden or Trump. They've got Secret Service protection. Uh, there's nobody here between me and Kevin Rogers if uh, if somebody says I said something about him, right? So maybe it's a it's a good thing to be friends with all of our competitors in some way. But yeah, that's there's a big risk there, really big risk for fraud. Hopefully, they're like the powers that be are trying to do something to clamp down on this because. Like privacy is already a mess, and I think with AI, it like it completely goes out the window, and it's like it's potentially really, really scary. And like you said, it could be elderly people that get are getting scammed. It could be younger people getting scammed by, you know, less than nice folks. Put it that way. I'll, I'll try and be as PC as I can. Um, and I like that. That really scares me. I know there's other stuff about like there's the bigger picture of will AI take over and will we be slaves to AI and everything else and I would read the the book by Mo Gadot, which is Scary Smart. And he kind of talks about that a little bit more. Um, and he talks about the three inevitables of AI. But for me, a little bit closer to home, because we see so many scammers and so many idiots out there taking people's livelihoods. And, and I think with AI, that those scammers could potentially have a leg up, at least for the short term. Uh, you mentioned while well, you've mentioned Mo's book, I'll mention one other one that I read this year. It's called Life 3.0 by Max Tegmark. It's mm-hmm. at the same time, it's either it's both the most hopeful book I've ever read about AI and also the scariest, uh, where he walks through all kinds, oh, all kinds of scenarios where you know AI could could you know take over, run the economy, and there's good sides of it and there's bad sides of it. It's it's a fascinating look at intelligence and how it all works. So uh, maybe a good one-two punch for for AI books. All right. So before we wrap, um, one kind of quick question. Uh, We like to talk about job losses, but let's also talk about new job opportunities. So I'm just wondering, John, if you've come across any ideas where you clearly couldn't take it on because you're maxed out, but you're like, this would be a great new job. This someone could take this if they lost their job, they could move into this role. Absolutely. An RPA agency all day long. Yeah. Okay. Like doing robotic process automation for businesses, going into businesses, seeing what areas they are repetitively doing over and over again, and where RPA may have a potential fit, and just installing an RPA system in the business and getting paid a retainer for as long as they're using that RPA. And when they stop using it, or when the retainer stops going, the RPA shuts off. And I think that could be a really, really strong business in terms of it has a strong value proposition to the business owner it gives efficiency gives speed of results but also has a massive pain of disconnect which is a benefit to the actual agency so 
absolutely something along the lines of what the ins and outs of that might be. There's lots of different ways you could go about it, but definitely something along those lines, I think, is um, could be the, potentially the new the new agency in the, the next few years. And I know we're almost out of time, John, but just one final question, and that would be, what should we have asked you about AI? Like, what are you hoping for somebody to ask you so that you could talk about it or, or say something, you know, that, uh, that nobody's asking you? That's a really good question. I would think um, at a basic level, I think AI is as good as the information that you give it. So if you were to ask me, what's the one tip you would say to someone who is getting started with AI? I'd probably give a two-pronged answer which is A, just get started and don't don't expect, don't try and run before you can walk. Just get in there and start playing around with it because a lot of people are overwhelmed with it. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of different levels of expertise out there. And for the people that are maybe being exposed to it a lot but haven't really used it a lot themselves, just get in there and start playing around with it. I think I've always found the best way for me to learn is by doing Yes, I, I love courses and I love learning and, and I will always continue to go out there and expose myself to things like that. But I find that you intuitively learn yourself better when you get in and play around with it. And then just find a groove and and like go from there. But then once you start to play around with it, once you start to, to get familiar with the actual platforms, like and when I say platforms, I would probably even take that back a step and say platform. Don't try and learn Claude. ChatGPT, OpenAI, and all those. Don't try and learn them all at once. I've gotten really good at using ChatGPT. I have a access to a Claude account. I haven't actually used Claude at all because I think people can get bogged down by the, oh, I need to use this and I need to use that and all these different tools. Choose one and get comfortable using one. And then once you're comfortable using it, understand that the more, the better you get at feeding it and training it and getting it to learn your way of doing it, the better your output's going to be. So that's kind of a long-winded answer to a question of what would my one tip be. There's probably three or four tips there. But I think that a lot of people out there right now, and Kira, you even mentioned to yourself that you're aware of AI so much, but you may be a little bit intimidated by all the different aspects you could use it with. Just start using it. And like, it doesn't have to be perfect. I even got my my father-in-law playing around with it there. And he was like, he was getting it to write short stories about people in our village. And it's like, it doesn't make any sense, but like in there and start to use it and and just play around with the options and you'll start to get intuitively better as you go from there because it is really overwhelming. And I was, I think the reason why at the very beginning I dismissed it was because I was so overwhelmed with it. But then when I actually got in there and started playing with it and, and I was playing with it at the beginning, there was no, there was nothing good coming out from it. It was just basically me messing around with it until I started actually applying frameworks to it. And then when you apply some frameworks to it, which is, Going back to what I said about the better information that you feed it, the better output you will get. So if you're, say, a copywriter watching this or listening to this and you you currently have frameworks that you use for writing copy for your clients or writing copy for yourself, see if you can start to train those frameworks to ChatGPT and see if you can start producing content that's maybe 70%, 80% as good as what you would do. And then you go in and take it the extra 10 or 20% and then you have a piece of copy that you can stand behind that will get your clients amazing results. And it's freed up a, a lot of time for you to either, you know, have extra time with your kids and your family or freed up your time so you can actually take on a second client or a third client in the same time frame. Yeah, I like I like the baby steps approach. If you're working with a client, just choose one application 
per project, just one way you could integrate it if you're still figuring it out. So that's helpful, John. And where can our listeners go if they want to connect with you or learn more from you? You can connect with me on probably the best way. Like I, I'm on social media, but I'm not on social media, if that makes <laughs> sense. I'm, I'm not very active. So basically the best way to connect with me is probably through email. And you can connect with me at john at e5agency.co or you can go to e5agency.co and connect with me there. Awesome. Thanks, John. Thank you to John for sharing his insights on using AI as a copywriter and creative entrepreneur. His framework for training AI with copywriting prompts was particularly fascinating and also demonstrates how we can use AI to elevate our existing skills rather than be replaced by it. If you want to see what John is up to in his business, you can go to e5agency.co. And remember, if you want to jump into our AI for Copywriters course, you can go to thecopywriterclub.com forward slash AI4C. That is the end of this episode of AI for Creative Entrepreneurs, a Copywriter Club podcast produced by Brandon Burton. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please leave a review of the show on your podcast app so we can reach other creative entrepreneurs who are also interested in exploring AI. Or if you're catching this on YouTube, you could always like this video or subscribe to the channel or even leave a comment below. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.